on the last day of 2023, December 31st, I preached to this house what I believe was a word from the Lord, not just another sermon. And that was that we need, just like the children of Israel standing on the riverbank of the Jordan in flood stage, we needed to leave our comfort zone this year as individuals and as a church. And that when we step into what God is doing, that we will see the glory of God demonstrated. What's the glory? It's the manifest power and goodness and grace exerted in our Missed in a way that we can all discern. I believe that. And I'm not going to quit talking about it because I believe it is a word from the Lord for this house, for each of us individually, and us as a group of people. And so we started there with the people of Israel, camped on the east bank of the Jordan River, uh, uh, fairly comfortable there, but their destiny was on the other side. Their destiny was in the promised land the land of Israel, the Holy Land, we call it. Because it had been promised to this group of people over 400 years before. And so they took that initial step of faith. Here's what they did. And these, there's three messages here that I've pre, I will have preached by today, and they're all about consecration. Consecration basically means I'm dedicating something to the care and control of Jesus. I'm putting it in His hands. I'm saying, this is yours to do with as you please. That's consecration. Okay? And so the first thing they consecrated as I preached on the 31st is they consecrated their comfort zones. And I challenged all of you that day to be willing to go a step beyond what you are comfortable with in, in obedience, in love and compassion, in service unto the Lord. I challenge you to do that because when we go beyond what we are ordinarily comfortable with, that is the area of miracle. That is the area where we grow. That is the area where we make a difference in our surroundings and our environment and the people around us. And then I talked to you about consecrating your identity and your desires. This is when they came across the Jordan River. They were all circumcised. And, and God said to them, today the reproach of Egypt has been rolled off of you. In other words, you are no longer identify yourself with Egypt, not with its religion, not with its desires, not with its pleasures, not with the, the mistakes and, the, and the, the train wrecks that you made all through the desert trying to come here. You need to put all that behind you. Cut it off and kill it. Let it go. It should not influence you anymore. Consecrate your identity and your desires. I challenge you, are you willing to be identified with Jesus everywhere you go? Or are you a secret agent Christian? I challenge you, consecrate all of your desires, your dreams, everything that you think you're striving for in life, put it all in His hands. Consecrate it to Him. Doesn't mean that you'll lose all of it. Doesn't mean He'll take all of it. But what it does mean is your heart says, you are my chief desire. You are. And I'll cling to you at all costs. Today, I want to talk to you about one more step of consecration. And so I want you to join me as we read in Joshua 6. Israel has come across the river. 
by miraculous intervention of God. They have obeyed God and consecrated themselves in submitting to circumcision as an act of rolling away the reproach of Egypt that I just described. And now Joshua is beginning to make battle plans to conquer the first city in the promised land. You got to understand that in those days, Israel, the, the land of Palestine was a series of city-states, we would call them. That these were regions that were controlled by a fortress and there were like 20-something of them scattered all over the promised land. But Jericho was the strategic number one objective. Not because it was the biggest, not because it was the most important, not because it was the most impregnable, even though it did have high walls, but because it was in their way. It was the primary thoroughfare into the promised land. Militarily, strategically, it needed to be conquered because if they did not conquer Jericho, they would always have enemies behind their back. They had to conquer Jericho. Joshua is doing some reconnaissance and he encounters the angel of the Lord, the captain of the Lord of hosts with a drawn sword. And Joshua, you know the story. Joshua says, are you with us or against us? And he says, no. Doesn't sound like the right answer, does it? No, I am in charge. I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. Joshua hits the ground. He says, take your shoes off your own holy ground. This was a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ. Evidently, in that meeting with the angel, the captain of the Lord of hosts, Joshua got battle plans, which was to march around Jericho once a day with the, with the ark and do that for seven days and on the seventh day march around it seven times, then blow the trumpet and shout the war shout, the war cry, and the walls had come down. But evidently, he had something else that he told Joshua. And that something else is something we're going to talk about today. Let's read the scripture together. Joshua 6. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times. This is on that seventh day. In the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The seventh time around, when the, then the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things. Say devoted things. So that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed so that everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Would you pray with me, Father? I pray you give us ears to hear today and eyes to see and a heart that would say, I consecrate it all to you. I consecrate it all to you because you're worthy just as we celebrated your sacrifice today. So they left the bank of their comfort zone to claim the covenant promise, which was conquest. 
conquest. Covenant was cut into their consecrated identity and desires as they turned away from Egypt. And now Joshua's had his first encounter with the captain of the Lord of hosts preparing for conquest. Now I just want to tell you several things about this situation. Number one is instruction to conquer and consecrate were tied together. The instruction to conquer from that angel of the Lord, the instruction to conquer the city and the promised land was tied to their consecration. It was tied to their consecration. Now, I got some people who are going to help me. They're going to put a table up here. Come on, guys. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, this is going to feel kind of odd to some of you, but I'm going I'm to preach from over here. They're going to put the table right here, and then they're going to start bringing out the spoils of victory. Because you see, here's what happened in those days. When, when Israel began to conquer the cities of the, of, of the Holy Land, when they began to conquer cities, every city had spoils of war. Every city had precious metals, garments, resources, people. As a matter of fact, in, in, in those days when an army conquered a city, they basically took everything for themselves. As a matter of fact, soldiers... In those days when they would conquer a city, soldiers felt like it was their pay for risking their lives that they would take some of the plunder, some of the personal belongings, garments, uh, jewelry, all of that kind of, you say, well, that's barbaric and whatever. Well, we're not even going to talk about that today. We're just going to pull a principle out of this in the way that God works. But anyway, every city they conquered, this is going to represent the conquered cities of the whole uh, 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 country of Palestine. And every city they went into, they go to Jericho and they, 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 they get spoils of war from Jericho. They go to Ai, they get spoils of war from Ai. They go on to, to uh, Hazor and they get the spoils of war from Hazor and they go to Jebus and they get that and they go on and on and on. And every city that they go to and conquer they gain something from the conquering of that city. Okay? Spoils of war, plunder, blessings, every city. Except the first one. Except the first one. And for this first city, the first fruits of the conquest, God said to the Israelites, all of the plunder belongs to me. Just the first city. And there were 20-something cities they ended up conquering. But the first city is a tithe. The first city is the first fruits of the whole thing that I'm going to give you. Because you see, it, the conquering was a blessing from the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you go back in that scripture I just read, it said, I have given you the city. I've given it to you. This is my blessing to you. I'm giving you victory. I'm going to end up giving you all the spoils of war of the whole 
country, but this first city is all for my treasury. It's all for my glory. It's all for my exclusive use, not for your individual pleasure. And so, you know, basically, God was saying, listen, I want the first one. I want the first one. All I want is the first one. I gave you all of this. I gave you all of this. It's a blessing from me. Yeah, you're my partner. I used your efforts. But I gave you the victory. I gave you this. Get it out here where you can see it. Make sure we've got them all here. Let's see. I don't think I got that kind of potatoes. Oh no, that's a that's a kiwi. There we go. So, in the way war was in those days, they got all the spoils. Every man felt like that was their payday. But God says, here's the way we're going to do this as I fulfill my promise to give you this whole land. I'm promising you, no man will be able to stand against you because I'm with you. I will give you the cities. I will give you the spoil. And it is my blessing to you. And all I ask is that you dedicate the first one to me. Okay? So, this is interesting because they marched seven days. And you may not know this, but they had just celebrated Passover. And Passover was always followed by seven days of what they called the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And seven days of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread basically meant those seven days were consecrated to the Lord. They would, they would willfully restrain themselves from, from enjoying a yeast-filled bread. And how many of you love bread? I know some of you love bread. I love bread. If I could do without bread and sweets, and I'm doing better. But if I could continue doing without breads and sweets, I'd be, I'd be even slimmer than I got. But they were commanded to go seven days without any yeast-filled bread. In other words, those seven days were consecrated to the Lord. And the seventh day, you know, is always holy to the Lord. So it's like they spent seven days walking around these walls consecrating themselves and everything that God would bless them with to the Lord. And on the seventh day, he gave them victory and all the spoils of Jericho came into their care and control. And he says, don't touch it. It's mine. Dedicate it to me. And so they did. They consecrated all the spoils of the first victory, either by destroying or by depositing. This is what some, in, in some places it calls the ban. The ban is this command to destroy everything. But even in the, in, the, in the worship system of Moses that they got in the desert before they came to this point, they had five kinds of sacrificial offerings. Some of you know this. 
the, the chief one was the whole burnt offering. The whole burnt offering was an offering where they burned the whole animal up. They killed it, poured its blood out, and they burned it all up. But there were four other kinds of offerings. Peace offering, trespass offering, uh, a fellowship offering, and probably another one. But in all of those other offerings, the priest got some of the meat from the sacrifice. And in some of them, the, the worshiper got some of the meat and they'd sit down and have a meal together from the sacrifice they brought to the Lord. Except the whole burnt offering. And the whole burnt offering was totally, you say, what a waste. They just burned up meat and all burned up everything, burned it up all. Yeah. It was to say to the Lord, it all belongs to you anyway. It all belongs to you anyway. And so this city, this first conquest of this strategic city was like a whole burnt offering to the Lord. It was like a complete consecration. You see, neither the word tithe nor first fruits is mentioned in that scripture I read, but devoted to the Lord is. And 2 Chronicles shows the connection between devoted to the Lord and tithe. And first fruits, can we see that? Second Chronicles 31, 6. The people of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God and they piled them in heaps. So they conquered on the day of the Lord by the power of the Lord as a gift from the Lord and they dedicated back to Him as an act of consecration the first fruits as a recognition, it was his victory for his purposes and the blessings that came from it were his. You with me? Amen? So they consecrated their blessings to the Lord from the first victory. Jericho was a tithe of the bounty of the whole conquest promised by God, dedicated as first fruits. Achan knew this principle. You go to the next chapter, chapter 7. Some of you know this story. Achan saw all the beautiful garments from Egypt in this city. He saw the silver and the gold and all the precious metals. And he thought, man, what a waste. I need to pocket some of this stuff, why don't you? Well, he did. He was seduced by what he saw. And because he took something devoted to the Lord, the whole nation suffered. Their next city to conquer was Ai, and they were defeated. And God says, it's because somebody took the holy things. They took what was devoted to the Lord. Sounds unreasonable to us, probably. But can I tell you something? This isn't about the destruction that Achan brought. This is about the blessing that God brought. When Renee and I were, uh, oh, I was 30 years old and she was just a young thing. We moved to the east side of the inner city of Birmingham, Alabama, and started a church there. I didn't have a job when we moved there. She didn't have a job and we had two small babies. One was two and one was about, well, one was two and a half and one was about six months going on a year old. Honestly, we didn't know where money was going to come from. We had a little bit of support from the church we left in Mesquite, Texas. We had a little bit of support from our state denominational headquarters. 
but we didn't have enough to live on. So I started looking for a job and started praying about how to start a church with nobody but me and my wife and our two kids. I'm not going to bore you with the whole story, but I just the reason I'm bringing it up is this. We were never going to get rich doing that. <laughs> we were in the ghetto. I saw shootings right in front of our church. Our church was broken into. We lived two block, three blocks up the hill from that storefront building we had church in. We did ministry in, in the, the nearest uh, uh, government housing units, which was considered one of the most dangerous places in the city. We ministered to kids there every Saturday. And I, for a while, I worked a part-time job, but it was obvious I was never going to help a church come together and form working full-time and trying to do that too. And so I went full-time with the help of another church. Money was always tight. People we were reaching, many of them didn't have a whole lot. It's not like they were going to throw big chunks of gold and silver into the plate. But we never did without. We tithed. Even in that circumstance, we tithed our little bit of income into what God wanted to do. And I just want to tell you a couple of stories. Because there was a moment when we had an old beat up van that was wore out and the transmission went out. And I took it to the transmission shop and I had, we had zero money to fix it. And I knew it was going to be a $700 job. This is in 1992, guys. This is a long time ago. That was a lot of money in 1992. It was going to cost over $700. I didn't know what we were going to do. And it came to the day when it was, it was ready. That day, my father, who I didn't grow up with, walked into my house, first time he had ever been in my house in my life. Walked into our house and put $700 bills in my hand. Did not know I needed the transmission. Certainly didn't know how much it would cost. I had no idea he was going to do that. First time in my life he had ever done anything like that. But it happened the day that our van was ready. You say, well, I wish God would do some of that for me. Well, he will. But I'm going to tell you this. If I had not been faithful, if I had not consecrated everything we owned to the Lord and honored him with those steps of faith and love that tithing represented, I don't believe that would have happened. After about five and a half years of ministering in the inner city, we were wore out. We felt like, it, I won't bore you with those details, but we came to the point we decided it was time for us to transition to somewhere else. The first Sunday after we resigned from that church, we were going to go to church somewhere. I don't go to church because I'm a pastor, by the way. I go to church because I love Jesus. We were going out to the highway. Some of you know where Porto Madrid is on, on 59 in Birmingham. We were, our church was not far off of Porto Madrid. 
we come up to the freeway and we could either turn right and go to an Assembly God church back about 15 miles in that direction or one about 20 miles in that direction because we were running late. We turn right. That's the only reason we turn right. We walked into this church that probably had several thousand people in the sanctuary. As we're walking down the aisle early in the service, we hear the pastor taking up an offering for a minister and his family who need a van. It was us. It was us. Why am I telling you these stories? Because God is faithful. And when we consecrate every one of His blessings into His care and control, He blesses us in ways that we cannot explain or manipulate. You see, the next level of victory requires the next level of consecration. The next level of victory in your life, the next level of blessing in your life and my life requires the next level of consecration. And for some of us sitting here today, some of us, that means you need to take a step in your financial giving. I promised you that I'm not going to preach very often on giving. And I've, I see a lot of new faces here. I just want to ask you to forgive me. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to these home folks. But I feel like the Holy Spirit compelled me to come back to giving. I preached on giving, I think, twice last year. And one was only a few months ago. I realized that. So this is not the norm for me. I do not like doing this. But I'm going to tell you something. The Spirit of God wants you to have the next level of victory in your life. And it comes with a next level of consecration. So, there's some truths from this story I think that'll help us. So that our blessings that he's already given us don't become a stumbling block to our next victory and blessing. Because I'm going to tell you what, any blessing you've got, God's fingerprints are on it. Whether you're a tither and a giver, a, a, a generous giver or not, every blessing you have, and I tell you, I, just go to Belize with this missions team and find out how blessed you are. The poorest person sitting in this room financially is wealthy compared to most of the people of that country. Wealthy. You're blessed. I'm blessed. We are blessed. Amen? We are blessed. We've been blessed so long, so much, we really, most of us have no concept of how blessed we really are unless we compare it to somebody in a third world country. Or unless you go to the ghetto or unless you go down to room in the inn because there's some people that are struggling and they need help. You are blessed. I am blessed. But your blessing can become less than a blessing if it's not consecrated to the Lord. So what I want to do is give you four basic truths that will help your blessing be a real blessing and will not become a stumbling block for your next blessing. Here you go. Number one, God, God gave the increase. God gave the increase. It says in that scripture, the Lord has given you the city. Just listen, everything you have, blessing of God. It says made in heaven, basically. You read the tag, whatever you own. 
it should read, made in heaven. Made by the blessing and the grace and the goodness and the kindness and the generosity of our God. That, that is true. God gave the increase to the Israelites and He gave the increase to you and me. I don't care how hard you've worked. I don't care, I don't care how smart you are. I don't, I, I don't, it doesn't matter. If it's good, it's got God's fingerprint on it. And it either came directly from God or it came through your parents, through, the, through people that sacrificed to keep this nation free, the people that sacrificed to build the businesses of this community. It came through the people that sacrificed to give education and an opportunity for education. Your blessings have God's fingerprints on them. And if you'll nail that down in your soul, It'll help you. You see, God brought about the victory with increase through their consecration. The issue was who was the source of their victory. The priest and the ark were walking around the walls as a symbol that this is God's battle. Amen. And it's God's victory. And it's God's increase. If we think our efforts alone have gained our increase, we've missed a strategic truth that will always limit what God can do for and in and through every one of us. If we think we're going to take credit for all of our blessings, we're shortchanging ourselves. We're shortchanging ourselves because we're saying it's my fingerprints on this, so I don't owe you squat. Second thing, God, God owns the whole thing. Not only did He give you increase, He owns the whole thing. He owns everything. We do realize this, right? He owns the Bible says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. All the silver and gold are his. He owns everything. He created it. He manages it. And he decides who has access to it. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Everything. Here's what he said in Deuteronomy to these same people while they were sitting on the east bank getting ready to go in and start this conquering business. He says in Deuteronomy 8, he said, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So what is the standard for consecrating my blessings? Where's the mark? Where's the line? Because obviously we all need money to live. Can I hear an amen? amen? Anybody here, you don't need money to live. No, we all need it. We all need money to live. So then the question becomes, how much is enough? And really, that's not the best question. The best question is, how much can I give, Lord? How much can I give? Well, we're going to go with this. Is there any standard for consecrating our blessings? Well, Jesus says that if you follow Him... How much does he require? Everything. True? Lay it all down. Now, does that mean you give, every, you give your house away and give your car away and give all your bank? No. What it does mean is it's all available, Jesus. It's all available. Everything I own is yours anyway. And it's available at your command. It's available. That kind of consecration is the kind of consecration that will bring conquest of your next challenge 
and bring your next blessing. It's not about the money. It's about the heart. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Yeah, I know. I'm running out of time. Twenty-seven percent of churchgoers in America give zero. Twenty-seven percent of churches, churchgoers in America, give zero to or through the church. Only five percent give regularly. Five percent, five out of every hundred churchgoers give regularly to the work of God. And the average among them is two point five percent of their income. So what is, where's the line? Where's the standard? God calls for the tithe. You knew this was coming. Some of you have been in church all your life. You knew this was coming. Here we go. God always raises the bar. Jesus always raises the bar, by the way, but that's not where I'm at. God calls for the tithe. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse in Malachi 3. The consistent standard of all through the Bible is 10%. You say, but... Moses came up with 10%, and that's the law. We're under grace. Well, let's just talk about that for a minute. First of all, tithing started with, with Abraham before Moses was ever thought about. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, who was a, a figure of Christ in the Old Testament. He gave 10% of the spoils of his battles to protect his people. He, he gave 10% of it voluntarily. Nobody commanded him to. He did it because it evidently was already a standard that was accepted. And then God commanded Moses to tell the Israelites, you need to tithe. I want the firstborn of every animal. I, I, the firstborn is consecrated to me of your children, but you can substitute an animal for them. I want the firstborn of your fruit and your vegetables, your grain. I want the firstborn of the cities you conquer. I own the firstborn. I call for that. You say, well, how about the New Testament, Pastor Gary? The New Testament does not command us to tithe. True. Jesus doesn't command us to tithe. He commends tithing. He commends tithing. And I think I had a slide for that, but it's okay. Let me read a scripture to you because the scripture's on there. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. What's he saying? Most important thing is acting with justice and love. Amen? Amen. But... You should do that and not leave the tithing undone. He commended tithing. He commended tithing. As a matter of fact, Jesus always raises the bar. He always raises the bar. You know the Sermon on the Mount? Remember this? He says, hey, any of you, you, you've heard it say, you shall not murder, but I'm telling you, if you're angry and you hate your brother, it's like you murdered him. What is he doing? He's raising the bar. Above what Moses demanded, Jesus is saying, go a step beyond what the law requires of you. I'm after your heart. Amen. I want to change the inside of you. This isn't about money and produce and wealth. This is about a heart that says, you own me, God, and I'm glad. So, let me just say this to you.
If you can't trust him with this, after he did this for you, do you really trust him at all? He didn't ask for all this. Except for the rich young ruler. He asked him to sell everything he had. Right? But if you can't trust him with that, and he left you this, blessed you with this, to what degree do you really trust him? You can't trust him with that, but you can trust your eternal destiny to him. You can't trust him with this, but, but you can Trust Him with the salvation of your wayward child? You can't trust Him with this, but you can trust Him with your future? Mission control, we got a problem. Y'all have never heard me preach it this hard. Can I just tell you, the time is urgent. And the stakes are high and we ain't playing games no more. And if he don't deserve that, he doesn't deserve your life. If he doesn't deserve that, he doesn't deserve for you to check in with him every day and listen to his voice. If he doesn't deserve that, he doesn't deserve your trust. Amen. Some of you ain't going to like me when you leave here. I can't help it. I... I've, dan I've danced around and soft pedaled this for 10 years and it's over. It's over. Finally, God blesses giving from a heart of love. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 8. I'm not going to read it, but basically Paul says this. Corinthians, these Macedonians over here, they started giving and they gave out of their poverty. They gave everything. They gave themselves. They gave till it hurt. They gave what they didn't have to give just to serve another part of the body of Christ. Look at their example and be challenged. I'm just summarizing what he says. You can go read it. 2 Corinthians 8, chapter, uh, verses 3 through 10. Because you see, tithing is an issue of ownership. It's an issue of gratitude. It's an issue of faith and obedience, but it's also an issue of love. It's an issue of love. Why? Because money is a hard issue. Right? Am I right? Some of you that are uncomfortable with this, if you're uncomfortable with what I'm saying this morning, it's because money is a hard issue. It's because money is tied to our hearts. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Why? Because money and wealth is tied to the heart. I was talking to an 86-year-old friend of mine that was on our board when I was pastoring in Summerton, Alabama. And he was talking about how when his mom and dad died, how their family just were like, ah, all over the money. And I had to tell him, I'm sorry, but as a pastor, I've seen that happen over and over again. When somebody's loved one dies, they, they're at each other's throats over a few dollars or even a few thousand dollars. Why? If you're not careful, money will affect your heart. Amen. 
And you know why I'm telling you that consecration of your blessings back to God is so powerful and so important to your next victory and your next blessing? Why is it so important to your flourishing as a believer for you walking in the fullness of the Spirit and walking in joy and peace and prosperity? Why is it so important? Because it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. I'm about done. Renee, if you come to piano, please. There's 2,000 references to money or possessions in the Bible. 2,000. Only 500 references to faith. Why? It's a heart issue. Here's the, last, here's the question I have for you and for me. Does he own my whole heart? The answer is no. If he doesn't have access to your bank account and your possessions. Because if he don't have access to that, if that's a, oh, that's over here. That's under my control, God. Don't, I won't even pray about that. If that's your attitude, he doesn't have your whole heart. Because your heart's tied to your pocketbook. Your heart's tied to your bank account. Whether you got a little bit or zero, it's still tied. And when you are willing to trust him with that, That's just another way. That's not the only way. Some of you need to trust Him with your time. Some of you need to trust Him with your relationship. We need to trust Him with everything. But some of you have got other hurdles. Some of you have been faithful tithers for longer than I've been alive. So that may not be your issue. But I'm just telling you this morning, if you can't give Him that, there's a heart issue. You say, but pastor, I... I literally don't know if I will be able to pay my power bill this month. I'm so tied on money. I understand that. I was there in the eastern side of Birmingham. Am I there now? No. I'm pretty confident I'm going to be able to pay my power bill. So I just want you to know this can be scary. This whole concept can be scary for some of you. Scary. But as, as the shepherd of this flock, I'm willing to take my stand and say to you, test him and see. Test him and see. Malachi 3 tells the people of Israel after they've been taken captive because of their sins and then restored back to their land. And now he says, you're robbing me. They say, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. And he says, listen, test me and see. Only place in the Bible God says, test me. But I'll tell you what, this man right here, he said this to this congregation one time. I know he said it to me. He said, you, you try. If you're not a tither, you try it for two months. If God doesn't come through and you are not able to pay your bills after tithing for two months, we'll give you your money back. That's how confident we are. This is a principle of God that is tied to our next victory. It's tied to our next blessing. 
It's tied to our heart. And He demands our whole heart. Our whole heart. He is not into piecing and parsing. He is not into dividing up and compromising and cutting special deals with you. He won't demand much of you. He'll always, no, He demands everyone's whole heart. And if this is the one place that you're holding back part of your heart, today's a good day for you. It's a good day. It's a day of victory and freedom. Rob Ketterling says this, and by the way, this illustration I borrowed from a pastor in Minnesota. His name is Rob Ketterling. They gave almost $2 million to missions last year. He says a heart touched by God gives generously and starts with the tithe. The, the number 10 is, equals the test in the Bible and money tests our hearts. Money tests our faith. Money tests our love. Even if we have to downsize something to tithe, I believe it's his standard, his beginning point. Not the ending point, the beginning point. You may have been offended at this today. I don't know. I see a number of new faces. I have no idea what you think. I have no idea, but I'm just telling you. This is, this is our value here. This is our value. This enabled us to give candy, bags of candy, to over 105 people in businesses last Saturday and pray with them. Tithe. That's what enabled us to do that. This keeps these lights on. This keeps, honestly, yeah, it keeps me in my position. I don't think any of you want a pastor that works a full-time job somewhere else. But this isn't a selfish request. You know what this is? This is a heart of love that says, I don't want you to be robbed of your next victory. I don't want you to be robbed of the full blessings of God's grace and favor on your life. And I'm convinced, I am convinced what I see in the scriptures about tithing is just the beginning place for all of us. It's the beginning place. It's the next step to take the 10th off the top out of love and trust Him to bless the 90%. If you're literally so in debt or so pressed with such a little income that you're living worse than paycheck to paycheck, can I just suggest something to you? Start with 2% and see if He doesn't provide. Just take a small step of faith. And if you don't do without anything you've got to have, next month, go to 3%. Next month, go to 4%. Just test Him a step at a time and see if He will not provide for you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. I give you my heart. 
I give you my heart. Would you stand with me? Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. Every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Jesus, I give you my heart today. I give you my heart today. I, I, I ask you to help me trust you with the 10%. I ask you to help me trust you. I trust you with everything else, or do I? Help us trust you with it all. And Lord, I pray, as I prayed earlier in this service, that you would give us such a vision of who you really are and your ultimate worth to us, of your amazing generosity to your people. You took my place on the cross. You gave me eternal life. Let the truth so grip my heart that I will have the faith to give you the 10% off the top. And Lord, I will have the love to go even beyond that as your spirit speaks to my heart. That Lord, money will not control my heart. Money will not steal my peace and my sleep. Money will not dominate my motivation but you will. I want you to have my whole heart today. Now the Lord may speak to some of you and say, you know he's talking to you, it's time to act. I'm not taking an offering. I mean, if you wanna put something in the envelope, put it in that box out there, that's fine between you and God, but I'm not asking for an offering today. I'm asking for a heart change. A heart change. Lord, we're supposed to be different than the world. And they accuse people like me of just wanting money. But Lord, I know the truth. I know the truth. And the truth is you just want our hearts. And money just happens to be one of the hindrances of that happening. I want blessing for this people. I want victory for this people. I want to see the captive set free. I want to see the poor hear the good news and be lifted up. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the lost saved. Lord, I give you my heart all over again. I gave it to you. 50 plus years ago. 
but I give it to you again. I'm still yours. I'm still at your command. I'm still your servant. I still live to love you and bring you glory. Let that be reflected in every attitude and habit of my life. Before we dismiss, if you're here today and you, you've not much, when it ain't about tithe for you today, it's about your salvation. I said something about this earlier, but if you've not ever surrendered your heart to Jesus, you've never asked him to forgive your sin and come live in you and give you eternal life, you've never turned from your way to his way, today's your day. If that's you, I just want to see your hand. Anybody? I'm going to pray with you right here. Anybody? I'm looking. I'm looking. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Real quick. Let me get you a microphone here. Okay. Here you go. Oh, okay. and I'm Claudia. We want to share something. Um, this was not no plan. So for those that are visiting, this is not planned out. But I struggle when we first moved to Alabama, because God moved us from Delaware to Alabama, took me out of my comfort zone where I had everything and brought me somewhere that I had no clue. A lot of you have heard the testimony when we start selling food, we really needed a cooler. And I remember telling Alex, pray for a cooler. <laughs> and as soon as we drove on 205, there was a cooler. It was red, it was freshly clean, bleached. And I told him, I said, did you just saw that cooler? He said, yeah, and I said, is it free? <laughs> and we turned around and I knocked on the lady's door because that cooler was just freshly clean. And I asked her, is it free? And she said, yes, I just cleaned it out. You can take it. And I turned around and I told Alex, you should have asked for a car. <laughs> <laughs> and God has blessed us every way. We started a business with nothing. And I remember telling Alex when he wanted to officially open a small business, I told him, I said, okay, we're going to start in a small, tiny place. The rent better be less than 500 And I said, and with 1500 that's the max we can spend. And I remember him telling me, you don't want to open a restaurant. And I said, if it's from the Lord, I said, that's all we can do. And I know he can do it. God has blessed us all the way through. We were there four years. We have moved to the new location right on Main Street. God has been very faithful. There has not been a day that we have not been able to pay our bills. We are beyond blessed. And it all started with this. That's it. This is not from pastor. This, this is from the Lord. Nobody's holding your blessing but yourself. If you only trust in the Lord, he's only asking for the 10%. He's leaving you the 90%. He's leaving you all of it. You want to multiply your blessing? If he can trust you with that little amount, he's going to give you more. 
we are testimonying for this. Amen. We have, I know a lot of you guys see us running here because we don't want to miss that blessing. Um, and again, this is from just one of the preaching the pastor gave. You want a blessing? Nobody's holding you but yourself. If you're not here, you're not listening to the sermons on Sunday, you're the only person holding yourself from that blessing. All of you guys love your children. We love our children. You want to give them the max that you can. Well, we have a God that is, owns everything. You don't think he loves you that much that wants to open the heavens and pour his blessing on you? He does to the max. Amen. Don't limit yourself just because that's all what everybody has gave you. That's all they can give you. But God has more. Amen. And it all starts with this. Praise just God. obeying him. Just stepping out in faith. Amen. He is going to pay everything for you. Amen. Praise God. Give him a hand, would you? Thank you, guys. I didn't know they were going to do that. They didn't know I was going to preach this. That, that's just, there you go. I didn't see any hands raised that need to offer their heart to the Lord for salvation. So would you raise your hands? And just say, Lord, I want to give you my whole heart. If I'm struggling, help me. I want to give you my whole heart. God, it may include money. Then maybe I've already, I've already dealt with that one. But Lord, I want to give you my whole heart. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to show me any part of my heart that is not in your care and control. Because I want everything you have for me. I want you to receive maximum glory. I want to make maximum impact with my days. Lord, I want to experience all there is of you. I don't want anything holding my heart back. Lord, anything we put in your care and control, you bless. Anything we hold back care and control from you, you can't bless. We want our whole life blessed. Thank you in advance in Jesus' name. Can you say amen?